Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Hello and welcome to Orange Fizz Radio here on The Score 1260. I'm Matt Bonaparte alongside Jaron May. Jaron, we've got a pretty good show today. Well, first up, we're going to be talking about John Rothstein's new 45 in college basketball. Syracuse ranked down near the end of it. We'll get into that a little bit, some SU basketball. And then in our second block, we'll talk a little bit SU football. Tommy DeVito, where is he going to be ranking among ACC quarterbacks this upcoming season? After that, three-star 2021 SU football commit Hayden Nelson will join the show. We'll talk to him about how he got to Syracuse, a little bit about his mindset playing here. It's, it's going to be uh, a great interview with Hayden Nelson later on. And then, of course, Fizz feedback to round out the show. Jaron, let's get the ball rolling. What do you think about Rothstein's 45, number 37 for Syracuse uh, in it? And his projected rotation we'll get into a little bit. But what do you think about 37 for Syracuse? Well, I mean, I'll be honest. I think it's kind of generous because at the beginning, so Rothstein, basically how he does this is he will update it periodically. Um, and Syracuse wasn't on it before. And he, they only got added once Alan Griffin's transfer waiver went through. So then basically you're saying Alan Griffin is worth, let's just say Syracuse was number 46. They were right on the cusp of the top 45 for John Rothstein. Um, is Alan Griffin worth, let me do the math, uh, eight spots? Uh, I don't know. And it's kind of difficult to say because Alan Griffin played against competition that's not going to be as good as what he's going to see in the ACC. It's kind of difficult to put Syracuse in a top 40 type of conversation because you don't know how big of a step Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim are going to take, and they're going to have to take huge steps. You're, lead, you're losing your top scorer and probably the best player in the ACC from a season ago, at least in my opinion, Barama Sidibe. You don't know what you're getting from him because at the end of the season, he was solid. During the middle of the season, he was horrible. And then, of course, Marek Dolajai is going to be Marek Dolajai. But Alan Griffin was kind of the X factor, at least for John Rothstein, when he bumped Syracuse up to number 37 on his list. I don't know if if Alan Griffin is that big of a bump type of player. I think you put it really nicely, and I think generous is the word that I would use as well. I mean, the Syracuse squad coming off a season in which Elijah Hughes dragged them to every single win they got um, is definitely going to be a lot worse than what we saw last year. So to rank them 37th, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't think this team is going to be the same kind of team that can be up around 20 wins or, or what Syracuse finished the regular season last year, which was the high teens. When you look at this starting five that he... Rothstein lays out, who do you think the, the best player on this team is? I mean, when I look at it, I mean, Buddy I mean, Beheim might be the yeah. best player there. Yeah, it's Buddy. It's Buddy. I mean, you can make an argument for Joe. Uh, Marek's obviously going to be the team's MVP. Like, he's going to be the hustle guy who gets the rebounds. The most valuable player that they have. They can do He can do everything. 1,000%. So Marek Dolajai is that type of player, but he's not the scorer. So who's going to be the scorer? It's going to be Joe Girard and it's going to be Buddy Beheim. It's going to be kind of a tandem. But the thing is, my worry with this team this upcoming season is who's your ball handler when Joe needs a rest? 
because Buddy is not a ball handler. Alan Griffin, when you look at his tape, he can kind of handle it, but not really. He's kind of on the same plane as Buddy Beheim. And you could say maybe Kadari Richmond can handle the ball, but he's not like a pure point guard. And that's why all of those transfers, when Jalen Carey left, um, when, who am I missing? There was like three transfers that, that just completely, Bryson Bryson Goodine. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, they all just left the program and now that leaves the guard position really thin for Syracuse. And that's kind of is what going to hurt is going to hurt them this upcoming season because even though their big men may not be great, they have a lot of them that they can rotate in and try to find who's going to be their best player at the big man position. Um, and they could also just go small and put Marekat at the five. But the thing is, at the guard position, when someone needs a blow, I don't know who goes there, and that's why it kind of worries me. A 37 ranking is is pretty, gener- pretty generous. Um I, I mean, I don't know. It, it makes me happy that Rothstein is this high on Syracuse. I just don't know personally if I would be. You talk about how ball handling is going to be taken care of in this team, and you see it every year with Syracuse in that uh, guys who are stars on this team play nearly every minute of the game. That's just the Bayheim way. That always has been the Bayheim way. And yeah. maybe the biggest uh, instance of that that we've ever seen was Tyus Battle in his senior season where he averaged over 40 minutes a game because he played every minute in overtime as well when Syracuse made it there. So I think you might see that out of Joe Girard this season. Obviously, he's a little bit younger and more, I guess, naive on this team. But... He might just have to be shoved into that role because of just the lack of talent that this team has. I mean, just look down the list. There's just not that kind of guy like Elijah Hughes who you can pass to and know you can get a bucket down the floor every time. Gerard's going to have to have that duty. Yeah, I mean, you can you can throw anybody into that. You could just say, hey, sorry, because we don't have the talent, you're going to have to play 38 minutes a game. You're going to have to play 40 minutes a game. You're going to have to play the entire game. Like, you can say that to anybody, but who's going to actually be able to live up to that? that? Those are the type of Elijah Hughes-type players, the Tyus Battle-type players. I don't see that type of player on this roster this upcoming year. Now, if Alan Griffin is something like that, that will, number one, blow my mind, and number two, really help the Orange. But I just realistically don't see that. So I see Buddy Beheim having to be that player. And again, I just don't really... I don't, I don't have that much faith in Buddy Beheim being your number one and throwing him out there for 40 minutes a game on a consistent basis and having him have to produce as much as he's going to have to this upcoming year. Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May here on The Score 1260 talking about Syracuse being ranked 37th on John Rothstein's best 45 teams in college basketball. Let's talk about his projected bench here a little bit, Jaron. Yeah. He lists it like this. Kadari Richmond at the sixth man, then Quincy Garrier, Jesse Edwards, Robert Braswell, John Bolajac, Woody Newton, and then Frank Anselm. So the big thing here, obviously, is that Quincy Garrier isn't the sixth man. We didn't see him in the projected starting five, which, fine, that, that could be realistic, but with Garrier behind Kadari Richmond, what kind of chemistry or what kind of uh, play for Garrier, what kind of role is he going to have on this team? So it, it brings up a couple thoughts when I see this. Number one, John Rothstein is a great college basketball recorder, and uh, he has a lot of 
or strong relationships with Syracuse, especially with Jim Beheim. So I don't think he's just pulling this out of thin air. I think he has some type of substance to be able to back up a claim like this with putting Kadari Richmond over Quincy Garrier. If also you follow John Rothstein, uh, he's tweeted, I think once or tw- maybe twice about how Kadari has been impressing uh, the coaches and people around the Syracuse program in the early practices that they've had. So that I have to take at his word because that's what John Rothstein does. That's that's his entire career. That's his life. So if he's saying that Kadari Richmond is over Quincy Garrier, okay, then that means Kadari is going to be pretty darn good. It also means that Quincy, we know, is coming back from an injury that sent him home after games last year crying. He admitted over the a couple weeks ago how he would go home after these games with his hip injury and actually cry himself to sleep because he was in so much pain, but he couldn't do anything about it because it was mid-season and he just he he was so pressured to keep playing. So that means Quincy Garrier might not be a hundred percent coming back from that injury right now. That means Kadari Richmond is really good. Now, do I think that that's going to actually play out in the season? Like, are they going to stay the six-seven pairing that they are right now, or does Quincy flip? Does Quincy make it into the starting lineup over Alan Griffin if you need to go big? Does Kadari make it in over Alan Griffin if Griffin doesn't live up to the hype that he kind of has around him? Those are the type of things that I am very interested to see them play out and see what happens this upcoming basketball season. And Quincy Garrier was one of those guys who was the maybe the most reliant guy when it comes to rebounding. It was him and Marek who you really trusted down there. But what I even trusted a Eli- I, I trusted Elijah just for uh, from a three. He was one of the best small forwards rebounding in the ACC last year. Yeah, he was incredible. And right. with him off the team. Uh, that creates a bigger hole there. And when Garrier shared the floor with Marek, it was usually in that small ball lineup that Beheim would throw out there ever so often where it, was, it really didn't have a big man on the floor because none of those guys could really rebound very well. You didn't see Jesse Edwards very often, and you didn't see Burama all that often either or, because or, it was or, a liability. Or Sidibe just fouled out, or in that or situation. That, yes, <laughs> that's also true. So do you think we're going to see... Gary in that spot again, or do you think we might see a guy like Kadari Richmond? I mean, Kadari's more of a smaller guy. He's not a Quincy Garrier type. I mean, Quincy, even though he's not the tallest dude, he's got some muscle on him. Um, so if you were to do that, that type of small ball, it would be Marek at the five, Quincy at the four, and then you could say Alan Griffin at the three, um, and then Buddy and Joe, or you could do Kadari with Buddy and Joe, or you could really mix and match any of those three guards. Um, so that's something that's interesting. Maybe they could share the floor. I feel like it's going to be one or the other because something that you alluded to earlier, Jim Beheim loves small rotations. He likes playing with six or seven guys and seven sometimes pushing it. Um, and especially with Barama Sidibe in his foul trouble, you might have to get Jesse Edwards in there more often. So I don't know who kind of gets the bump between Kadari and Quincy. I would love to be able to watch one of their practices and just be able to tell, but it is interesting. Now, before we go to break, Matt, and I know you have to, um, I do want to say one last thing. With Frank Anselm at the complete end of the bench, that really shocks me. And I'm also interested just to hear your take on that because – Frank Anselm was like the last guy to commit in this upcoming year, but he was also a huge commit that everyone was super excited to get because it was a big guy that could come in and maybe have an impact immediately 
or take over that, that starting five position after Barama Sidibe. But if he's all the way back there behind Jesse Edwards and Robert Braswell and John Bowl and Woody Newton, it kind of scares me that he's that far down. I mean, I agree in that I'm a little bit surprised that he's last on the list, but at the same time with those freshman guys that Syracuse always have, that a lot of them don't see the floor anyway. That was how it was for Bob Braswell in his first season. Bryson Gadine didn't see the floor very often. Jalen Carrier was the same way, so I'm not surprised to see him down there. But Matt Bonaparte, Jaron May heading into our next block here on 1260 to score. Catch us talking about some Syracuse football. Tommy DeVito, we're going to talk about where he ranks among other ACC quarterbacks. Catch you after the break. Back here on Fizz Radio, Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May, and now we're talking some Syracuse football. 24-7 sports ranked the ACC starting quarterbacks in the 2020 season. Tommy DeVito came 10th, Jaron. What do you think about that? I mean, I think it's kind of accurate, and I that might upset some of our listeners, but let's just go through the rankings and... There's a clear, and I, Matt, I, what I also want to do here is I kind of want to tear them out, okay? So, and first, let's kind of just lay the land. So, the options, Trevor Lawrence of, of Clemson, Ian Book of Notre Dame, Sam Howell, North Carolina, Derek King, who is the transfer from Miami, is also up there. And then you kind of get into, you can have an argument for this guy or that. But if I was to try to tear out these top quarterbacks, I think, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is in a tier one, one of his own, one of one. And then in tier two, I would put Ian Book from Notre Dame, Sam Howell from North Carolina, and Derek King um, of Miami in tier two. So those are three guys right there. I would put Tommy DeVito in tier four. Like, there's there's a solid tier between that group and one other group, and then it's Tommy DeVito. Because you have Sam Hartman from Wake Forest, you have Kenny Pickett from Pitt. And I know Kenny Pickett isn't always the most consistent guy. And sometimes, especially against Syracuse, he can have a good game. But other uh, against other competition, he can just like not show up. But I like him and I like Hendon Hooker uh, from Virginia Tech a lot more than Tommy DeVito. Um, and there's some other reasons that I'll kind of get to. But I, at least in your opinion, are those tierings like, do you agree? Well, here's the thing about Tommy DeVito and the, and the question that has surrounded his career um, ever since he got to Syracuse. It's always, is he going to get better? I mean, I think those tiers that you laid down are quite accurate to the ACC um, in, in the talent levels that, that it has. I mean, obviously the Sam Howells and the, and the Ian Books and the Trevor Lawrence are going to be way up there. But when you come down to guys like Tommy DeVito... The question that's always been surrounding him is, is he going to get better next year? Because everyone knows he's got this big potential. Everyone can see his big arm. He can get the ball down the field. He, he, he has strong throwing power, everything like that. And if you look at his stats from last season, they're not horrible. 2,360 yards passing, 19 touchdowns to just five interceptions. And you got to remember this. He was sacked 44 times last year, protected by one of the worst offensive lines in the country. So you got to think going forward if this offensive line can improve. He was sacked most out of any quarterback playing college football last year, so if that can improve as well, maybe he'll uh, be able to get something going more on offense. Obviously, Tristan Jackson gone. You don't really have as many options while passing the ball. Taj Harris is really going to have to 
front that attack this year, but I think that 10 is a little low for DeVito. I think I'd put him a tiny bit higher, obviously not among any of those guys who are NFL draft worthy or anything close to that, but I think Tommy DeVito is talented. He just has to get a good situation around him. Okay, so you you talk about the thing that I was about to bring up, and there's it's kind of two things. It's the offensive line and who the heck is Tommy DeVito going to be throwing the ball to. It's The offensive line, I think, is going to be better. I don't think they're going to be as bad because they figured out where to put Aaron Service, put him on the blind side, put him on the left tackle. They have a lot of returners. And then, and this is the big if with the offensive line, does Chris Bleich get his transfer wavered? If he can get that, this offensive line is going to be extremely, extremely good. You think so? Yes. I don't I, I wouldn't even say that they're gonna be okay. Like I would say that they are gonna be good. I would say that they are gonna be You think they're the, one guy away? Well, they're not one guy. They are returners, figure out where Aaron Service goes, and that one guy who is a starter for an SEC team. Well, I I'm but I'm saying that you think they're one very good player away from being an elite offensive line? I mean, yeah, but then you also have to take into account the growth of the other players. So Okay, so offensive line, at least in my opinion, I think they're going to be good, especially if Chris Blaish. If they don't get Chris Blaish, they'll be okay. They'll be better. They won't be great, but they'll be okay. If they can get Chris Blaish this upcoming season, then they're going to be good. Um, That helps Tommy DeVito. But what hurts him, you take Tristan Jackson away, which was a deep ball threat, uh, and Taj Harris isn't really that. Taj Harris is kind of a over the over the middle, um, maybe 15, 20 yards out. He's not going to beat anybody over the top. Um, and then you look at everybody, all the other wide receivers, you don't really have anybody else. I mean, I think your secondary uh, look, if, it's, if Taj Harris is doubled, then you're going to the tight ends. So that's not a great option for Tommy DeVito, and that kind of hurts his standings in this, and it kind of stinks. Because if you want to just grade this based on pure talent, Tommy DeVito is going to be above 10. But in his current situation this upcoming year, I don't think you can put him any higher than 10. If you even put him below 10, I would I would be okay with that. Um, it's just very difficult to see Tommy DeVito having a better year than he did last year, even though he'll be more upright than a season ago. Let's go back to the guys protecting him for a second. Okay. All right. You really I, want this conversation? Because I don't think I don't think you're right. I don't think they're going to be any better at all. I just don't think it's going to happen. Let's go through. Like, if you look at what the offensive line is most likely going to look like from left to right, you're going to have Service on the left edge, Patrick Davis at left guard, who's been a backup for his whole career with the Orange. Then you've got Carlos Vettorello at center, Dakota Davis at right guard, who played all 12 games last year or last year. And then at right tackle, you're going to have Matthew Bergeron, who was the freshman who was pushed into the limelight after yep. Ryan Alexander left the team. Yep. Those guys aren't too menacing to me. Obviously, service is in the most important position now, which is going to help. But I just don't see how those guys are going to be a huge step above what they had last year, especially with Evan Adams gone now. I mean, Evan Adams is the only guy you lost. Well, and you, sure. you lost you lost some backup too. I don't even know his name. I'll be Andreas Durek. Sure, yeah. Who the heck is that? Wait, um, I'm not, I didn't bring him up. You did. <laughs> okay, but but the point is, you're only losing one starter. You have four other returning starters, 
and you're putting in an SEC caliber starter if Maybe. Chris Bleich, it right. I mean, he technically should. That's another conversation. Um, but Chris Bleich should get that transfer. And if he does, I don't see how you can say that that offensive line is going to be worse or even the same. I'm not saying they'll be worse, but I think they could definitely be the same. And you lose one of your best starters. You have to take that into account. And you're also assuming they're all going to get better, which is just not something you can bank on. We Like, we might walk into the next season, and these guys might be the same, or some of them might have lost a, some of their edge. You don't know. I mean, they, okay, also, something that you've actually made very clear on these Fizz radios is Aaron Service was not, they, the offensive line got extremely better in the last, like, quarter of last season because they figured out where to put Service. They moved yeah, Service the last to the black. of the season. Right, to the blind side, he he was on the left tackle and he just protected Tommy DeVito that way. That helped, so now they know that that works. You have three of the other four starters returning, and again, you have an SEC caliber person that might come in. Even if he doesn't, you have to say that they're going to take at least a step up. It's not like they're going to be what uh, a team like they were at the beginning of last season because purely based on Aaron Service moving to the correct position that he should be, they theoretically should be better than last year. Sure, they might be a little bit better, but I'm not going to sit here and say that they're going to be an elite offensive line, one of the better ones in the country. I think they'll still be average at best. No, I don't yes, think that... yes, correct, correct. But average at best is better than last year, and that's my point. They are going to sure. be better than but last year. Then the question becomes, how good is good enough to, to let Tommy Tavito have a couple seconds to throw? I mean, if it turns into 44 sacks on the season to 32, I don't know how much of a... Uh, a step up they, they end up taking. but So, well, here's here's the thing, Matt. And I was listening to Adino Baber's press conference the other day. He couldn't give, uh, well, he could, but he didn't want to give specifics. The only thing he said when the team was scrimmaging is that they were going just a normal scrimmage and Tommy DeVito had 4.5 seconds to be able to throw the ball on average. That's outstanding. Like, that is plenty of time. Compared to last year, I, I don't even know the stats. I think he was having, I think if I remember correctly, one point something seconds. It was kind of a drop back, find someone, throw it, hopefully uh, find a completion. This year, if you can have four and a half seconds to be able to get the ball out, that means with Tommy DeVito's arm and his decision making, you theoretically are going to have a much better situation. Now, that seems like I'm advocating for Tommy DeVito and getting back to our main point of this of this block. That seems like I'm advocating for Tommy DeVito to be higher on the 24-7 uh, rankings where he's ranked number 10. I still do think that 10's a fine ranking because he just has no one to throw it to. Sure, that's fair. Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May here on the score 1260. When we come back, we will have three-star defensive lineman Hayden Nelson to join the show. Stick around. Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May back here on the uh, the score 1260, now joined by 2021 Syracuse commit Hayden Nelson. How are you today? Hey, doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming. Appreciate it. Um, so out of Brookfield, Wisconsin, you're committing to Syracuse. What stood out in Syracuse's offer among others that you got? Oh, I mean, for me, I think it was kind of the best fit in terms of academics, football, kind of relationships with the staff. I really liked the, 
Coach Reynolds, Coach White, Coach Babers, you know, I really had a good relationship with the coaches and I felt like I would fit in really well there. That's awesome. I mean, that's, that's really what's most important when you're looking for a school and looking for a fit. Um, I kind of want to get back to like the start of your recruitment. When did you first get on Syracuse's radar and flip side? When did Syracuse, uh, or rather, did you start looking at Syracuse? Uh, I think my sophomore year, uh, a coach came from Syracuse came in uh, to school. I think that was like two or three times. So I know Coach Kavanaugh came in twice, and then I think somebody else came in once. But uh, that was the first time. wasn't really super strong on either side, you know, just because I'm from Wisconsin. And, and then sort of uh, the beginning of this year, uh, with the with the hiring of Coach White, uh, Coach Reynolds and Coach White kind of hit me hard. You know, they offered me, and then they, you know, they were in constant contact, and I felt like I just, you know, that we developed that relationship, and that's what uh, contributed to me. So you Syracuse, weren't you know? able to visit Syracuse in person, correct? Nope, never. So how difficult was that to have to do everything virtually? And how did you tour the campus or, or the facilities or anything like that? Yep. So I mean, I really didn't know what to expect with, you know, everything being virtual, but they handled it pretty well. We had um, uh, Kramer Cook, Cook, he had um, kind of like this whole presentation set up and we went on a Zoom call and, and did a real big visit. So I got to talk to all the academics people and they had uh, one of their students take me on kind of a campus tour using like Google Maps and all this stuff. So so they figured it out. They got like this highlight video and they had at the end, Coach Babers was talking in the highlight video and then they, they exited the video and Coach Babers was in the Zoom call. So I thought that was pretty cool. So, you know, I, th I think they really set up a good system and, and worked for me, obviously. Now, you talk about Coach Babers, and I feel like just, I mean, whenever you're in a press conference with him, and I know you, we haven't had as much interaction with him as you, uh, but he's just an awesome guy, an awesome dude. And he, it seems like he just has like a magnet to him that if he's going to recruit a guy, it's pretty easy to be able to get someone like you. Um, when you were talking to him while you were getting recruited, what was the relationship like with the head man with Dino? Oh, I mean, definitely meant a lot to have him. You know, before I committed, he wanted to talk and uh, reached out a couple times. So that, that meant a lot. You know, not every school, the head coach is reaching out to recruit you. So I felt like, you know, if they were doing this, they really wanted me. And that was important. I wanted to go to a school that really wanted me. So talking to the head man meant a lot. But he was just, you know, from the first time I talked to him, I could tell he was a good man and a, and a good dude and a great coach. And he just kind of preached family and a lot of the same beliefs that I believe in. So that was that. And you're coming into a situation in which Alton Robinson and Kendall Coleman are both gone. They went on to bigger and better things. To So you're now going to a program where the defensive line is pretty wide open. So are you excited to hopefully take one of those roles and be one of the heads of those guys trying to attack quarterbacks and running backs? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, all I really wanted was an opportunity and, and a spot that I could, I could play in. So, you know, I'm going to get my shot. I'm going to make the most of it, just kind of how I've been doing, you know, my whole career, you know, and just get, just take one shot, one opportunity and make the most of it, see where it takes me. All right, Hayden, I, uh, I have a question for you. And again, Hayden Nelson joining us here on Fizz Radio, Jaron May alongside Matt Bonaparte. Uh, this is a two-side question. Number one, are you afraid of the cold? I know you're from Wisconsin, but obviously Syracuse gets dumped on in the snow. And then number two, when do you plan on coming up to campus to be able to see it in person? Uh, well, one, you know, I'm not afraid of the snow. It does suck. <laughs> I'm shoveling and all that, and it's cold as heck. But I've played – the coldest I played in was negative eight. 
So it wasn't really snow. It was more uh, frozen turf and ice. <laughs> you hit you hit the turf and it's just it's like it's like a different kind of turf burn when it's ice burn. So, so I'm definitely used to it. But the dome will obviously help. And then uh, in terms of coming to the campus, I'm hoping actually either this weekend or next weekend getting up to campus. And I can't obviously visit the football side of things, but seeing the students and the academics and the whole campus environment, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, Syracuse, absolutely one of the uh, best places for college sports. And then Dino Babers loves to, you know, whose house, house kind of get all those guys behind him. How excited are you to play for a coach like him? You talked about sharing values with him. Is he got to play for for a while? Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, Coach Babers, everybody kind of looks at him as a guy that, you know, has a really great message. And you see all the press conferences, like you guys said, and, everything he's saying. So obviously I agree with that. And I'm looking forward to just being in the locker room with him before the game, getting hyped up and, you know, knowing that you're going to war for a guy like that, Coach Babers, it, it means a lot, definitely. So you obviously held a couple different uh, offers from other schools. And I think at least the ACC is kind of the peak um, of your offers. Were you kind of wanting to play at like the highest level? And I, I look through some of your other offers from Air Force and Ball State and Bowling Green and Central Michigan. Uh, it kind of just seems like Syracuse is a step up from those ones. Did that help in your decision? And do you kind of are you kind of one of those guys that like if I'm going to be the best, I want to beat the best? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to. You know, I felt like I put up the film and and the grades even to play at the power five level. So that was kind of my dream and my goal. So I had um, Iowa State, Indiana, and Syracuse were my three power five offers. Hey. So I felt like, you know, those were, that's where I wanted to play. It was one of those schools. And Syracuse was, the uh, you know, the best fit for me out of those. Uh, I mean, that's, that's awesome. So Hayden Nelson joining us here on Fizz Radio, Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. Um, now, when you think about Syracuse and you think about some of the other schools that you're going to play in the ACC, obviously you've done your research. You, that's why you committed to Syracuse. Um, what are some of the other schools that you're looking at in the ACC that you're kind of like circling on the calendar that you kind of want to play? Oh, well, I mean, obviously Clemson's up there, you know. <laughs> they're, they're not one I'm most excited to play them because that's just going to be a real fun game, whether it's here or, um, you know, at the Death Valley. That'll be a really fun game. But Pretty much everybody in ACC is a quality opponent, you know, so it's always going to be a game. You never know who's going to win this one. But, uh, yeah, I'm really excited just to play against dudes that, you know, are, are really, really good. You know, you got to beat the best to be the best, like you said. Now, back to your recruitment, and I know obviously it was all virtual, so it's it's different than any other year, any other athlete that has kind of come and gone through Syracuse or through any type of collegiate program. Um, what was Syracuse's recruitment like compared to like, what were some of the similarities and some of the differences uh, between Syracuse and some of your other top offers? Um, I mean, in terms of like uh, the time Syracuse was kind of late, they came in, you know, just a little bit later into my recruitment, but I think it was kind of due to the, you know, they changed the staff around a little bit. So once coach white came in, they kind of, uh, I don't know if they reset their board, but they just kind of, switch things up a little bit and they started recruiting me real hard. And, uh, you know, it was kind of constant. I talked to Coach Reynolds probably every day on FaceTime and, uh, you know, I was talking to them a lot. So that was kind of what like did it for me. You know, the other schools, I don't think they recruited me as hard, you know, 
So that was it. It seems also for a lot of recruits that uh, facilities is a big deal. How important was, or just impactful, was being able to play in a dome, in a renovated dome that they've been putting millions and millions and millions of dollars in? Uh, how cool is that to be able to play in that facility? I mean, it's awesome. You can snow. You know, playing in snow is fun the first time, but it's not <laughs> fun after that. You get sick of it real quick. So I'm happy to not have to deal with a bunch of weather things and, and rain even. You know, you just kind of play football. You don't have to worry about the environment as much. So that's awesome. Hayden Nelson joining us here. He's a commit in the class of 2021 for Orange football. Uh, Hayden, there's a lot of recruits already in the class of 2021. What type of relationship do you have with some of the guys already that are in that class and that you will be playing with once you get to Syracuse? Uh, I mean, we're in constant communication. We got, you know, more group chats that I can count, <laughs> and, uh, especially the defensive uh, side of the ball. You know, we're talking almost every day and we're going over film and stuff. And they're always sending like all the, every fish they catch. I'm not a big fisherman, but those guys are. So it's cool. We're kind of all connected. But I think I was the, the fifth commit. So and we're at, what, 18 now. So, I, you know, I helped recruit a lot of the dudes that came in, especially on the defense side of the ball again. So that was really cool. Just, you know, getting to know those guys that way. And, you know, we've been talking a lot, like I said. That's interesting. So. Was it kind of like you just took it upon yourself to reach out to some of these other recruits or was it a coach that said, Hey, Hayden, you want to text this guy and see if you can bring him to the orange? I mean, kind of both, you know, you scroll through Twitter, you see dudes with the Syracuse offer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you just get them up, say congrats. I used to do that a lot. And then uh, there were times where uh, coaches would, you know, let me know what guys are targeting and I could hit them up, see how they're doing, how they're feeling about Syracuse. And that's kind of how it went. So there's one guy, I mean, that kind of just stands out and he recruited or he committed a couple of weeks ago, Deuce Chestnut coming out of New Jersey, uh, a four-star D-back who's probably going to take the spot of Andre Sisco once Andre, I mean, we can assume is going to declare for the NFL draft this upcoming year. Um, did you have any type of involvement with Deuce and how excited are you to be able to play with someone like that? I think Deuce was definitely some of the coaches were after a lot. So, I mean, I hit him up a couple of times. It wasn't you know, as much as some other guys, but I'm excited to play with him. And, you know, you got a guy like Andre and then you see somebody behind us, but he's got big shoes to fill, but I think he can do it. You know, it's probably pretty special to him to be playing behind somebody like that. Absolutely. Uh, Hayden Nelson joining us here on Fizz Radio. Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte also here. Hayden, one last question. Uh, when you look at Syracuse, what are you most excited to be able to do once you get up on campus after you graduate this upcoming year? Uh, ACC championship is kind of what we're preaching. That's what we're most excited for again to get there. Day one, you know, and that's the goal in mind is to win an ACC championship. That's what I'm excited for. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Aiden, for joining us today. Uh, after the break, you'll hear us on Fizz Feedback, Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May here on The Score 1260. Welcome back to Orange Fizz Radio, Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May about to jump into Fizz Feedback. But before we do, Jaron, I just want to bring up a, one topic that I saw from Syracuse.com earlier this week. It's, there's a report that the Big Ten is exploring the Carrier Dome as an option to play the regular season. What do you think about maybe the Gophers coming? Maybe Ohio State takes a trip <laughs> up to the Salt City? What do you think? I mean, there's a couple different things to think about, and I know I'll keep it short. 
number one, it makes sense because they're planning or they're hoping to be able to play in the winter. So they're looking for indoor stadiums. And it makes sense. The Dome is a historic indoor stadium, and that helps. I think it also helps because Syracuse could use the extra revenue. I mean, I'm sure that the Dome would love to invite some people as kind of like a kickoff because obviously they've been having all these renovations, uh, and they're not going to be able to have a full football season or a normal football season. So to be able to host more football games, it just helps because it'll help their revenue and it might help the athletics program here at Syracuse's revenue. So I don't hate it. I mean, if there's nothing else going on in the dome, why not allow some big football players to come here? The only thing that I am worried about is the potential risk that more people coming here might throw off campus. And um, obviously, it's it just makes it more of a risk for COVID-19. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I agree that Syracuse, obviously, a historic uh, stadium might draw in some fans, but... You never know. All right, let's jump into good old Fizz feedback. Our first question of the week, who will be the sixth man for Syracuse basketball this upcoming season? The answers were Alan Griffin, Kadari Richmond, Quincy Garrier, and Jesse Edwards. What do you think it should have been, Jaron? Uh, I'm going to go with Kadari because, again, it goes back to John Rothstein and his report. I just really trust his reporting. Um, and Quincy with the whole hip injury really worries me. So if John is saying that Kadari is is impressing, Quincy is coming back from that injury, um, I see Kadari getting the sixth man role to start. It might not stay that way, um, but at least at the start of the season, maybe Kadari is the sixth man. I think it's a battle between him and uh, Quincy. I really don't think, unless Quincy or Kadari ends up starting, and then Alan Griffin ends up on the bench, and then you have an argument there as well. But the fans voted 41% in favor of Quincy, so I, I, I tend to agree. I think that Quincy is more of the proven player. You've got Kadari Richmond, who's incredibly talented, but we've seen Quincy for an entire year in an orange uniform, so you have that under your belt if you're Quincy Garrier. I also um, think, I also think. let me, let me just hop right in, um, that... It kind of depends on who you're playing, right? I mean, if you're playing a bigger team, then... You Quincy in the lineup. Right, of course. Quincy's going to be the first one coming off the bench. If you're playing a smaller team or you want more shooting or you just want uh, a not a big man, then you go Kadari. So it kind of depends. And the question is a little ambiguous. It just It's kind of like who will be more of the sixth man uh, maybe not who's going to be the consistent sixth man because maybe they just kind of split it. And I'm still going to go Kadari because of Rothstein's reporting, but who knows? All right, that's fair. I mean, yeah. Richmond came in at 26.5 and, and Alan Griffin 25, and then Jesse Edwards with just 7.4. On to some good old football. If Chris Blake gets a tra- transfer waiver, where will the Syracuse offensive line rank among the ACC this season? First to fourth, fifth to eighth, ninth to twelfth, or thirteenth to fifteenth. Okay, Matt, here we go because I know you were just calling this me is out. This is just what this. we talked about, Jaron. Yeah. So, even though I think they're going to be better, I voted for nine to twelfth because. What? How could you say that after what you just said? Because I again, I would like to go back to my point. I'm not saying that they are going to be outstanding. I think that they are going to be better. And the thing is, to be better, you just have to be better than 15th. 
You just don't have to, like, even 14th would be able to support my claim. Uh, I don't think that they are going to be able to stack up with Clemson and Notre Dame and UNC and Florida State and Miami. But they're still going to be probably within the top, like, 70%. So I think they slot in somewhere in, like, the 9 to 10 range. I, I mean, this really makes our previous argument look a little peculiar, but I'll, I'll throw it <laughs> five to eight because I think they'll wow. stick around. Like, I think they'll be like seven or eight. Wow. If, okay. Like, it's a transfer waiver. A transfer waiver. So we I just think complete- be, I don't think they'll be first to fourth, but I think they'll be like seven or eight. We completely switched on that. Yeah, we did. All right. Wow. Well, that shows some good old Matt and Jaron miscommunication. Love that. <laughs> uh, fifth to eighth, one with forty-seven percent of the vote. Then ninth to twelfth with thirty percent. 13th to 15th with 12, and 9% goes to 1st to 4th. On to our final question. Will Syracuse football finish in the top half of the ACC this season? Uh, this, is, this is a good one. This is a good one. I'm going to say yes, uh, and I have two different reasonings for this. Number one, if there is no season, everyone ends at 0-0, zero and zero, and technically <laughs> they're in the top half, right? Right. Uh, Tied for first. And then number two, I am a strong believer that if there is a season, Syracuse is going five and five, and I think five and five gets you in the top five, uh, the top half. I think that they either win out at home and lose out on the road, or they go four and one at home and one and four on the road. I think that this is like a very five and five team, and I know technically they have eleven games on their schedule. Let me just explain myself. They're not playing Liberty. Like that is that absolutely is absolutely not. Like, zero chance that they're actually going to see I don't think they're going to play UNC either. Okay. All right. So then if you're saying nine games, then perfect. Then they're going to be five and four, and they're going to have a winning season. Boom. That, <laughs> means, think... that, they're, that means that they're in the top uh, 50% of the ACC. We've done this a million times. I still don't think they're going to win five games. Um, so it's a no <laughs> for me, dog. But, I mean, I could, I could see them winning those games and me being wrong. But, yeah, I don't know. It, uh, I, I don't. I, it's it's so up in the air at this point with COVID and everything else. So many factors going into the season. Some of these guys might not even play. So when you bring all that into contention uh, for this argument, I can really see either way. But I'm still gonna have to stick with no, and that's what the fans did as well. They voted no 60%, yes 40. So I mean, I guess I guess I win that one, Jeremy. I guess you do. I mean, you've you've won twice. You've won twice. I think you actually won three times. Didn't you yeah. choose Quincy at the beginning? Yeah, no, I did, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. You are Sorry, you're running away with it. I mean, <laughs> I guess I just have the unpopular opinions today. I guess so. Well, <laughs> it's been uh, Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte here on The Score 1260. Make sure you catch us at the same time next week. Thank you so much for listening.